Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Five Times Podcast. To see a legend near you, check out the events page on our website, fivetimes.co.uk. Still feels good, doesn't it? Welcome to a Christmas special on the Five Times Podcast. Loads to talk about, of course. Last-minute winners in the derby being top of the agenda with a fella who knows all about that. Gary McAllister's on the show. Jamie Carragher was pretty vocal in his celebrations too. We will speak to him about the story so far this season, the moments he's enjoyed in 2016. It's been a week of Christmas parties. Yours probably also Liverpool's too, although the girlfriends were involved. That wasn't a thing of the past. So we'll find out what it used to be like before the days of social media from a man who probably organised quite a few. John Barnes tells us. Our next Liverpool midfielder, now current first-team player, of course, of Stoke, Charlie Adam, is our special guest tonight. He talks to us about the way things are at Stoke this season and the memories he had from his time at Liverpool. It's a good lineup, so let's get started. podcasts, checkouts and rate our page on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Still celebrated a memorable night at Goodison Park. Nobody better to talk about that kind of experience that Sadio Mane enjoyed than Gary McAllister, of course, who did this for the Reds in that famous treble season. If Liverpool make something of this surely final opportunity. McAllister takes it. Oh, yes! What a goal! Must have brought some great memories for you with Liverpool scoring so late as Mane did the other night. Absolutely. You know, it was um, we were sort of jumping about the, the director's box at, <laughs> at the end of the game. It was looking like a nil-nil, you know, as much as we were pushing and pushing and pushing. It just took a wee bit of you know, Daniel Sturridge driving inside and then getting his shot away. I thought the keeper could have done a wee bit better, but it must be, he reacted brilliantly, Mane, to get to the edge of the box to get the to get the tap in. How did that feel for you, just bringing back those sort of memories from the goal you scored so late, of course? Well, yeah, just, we were just, it was just a case of watching the time flip away, you know, and I, was it was it eight minutes at the end? Was it eight mm, minutes extra mm. time because of the problems with the, with the keeper? He was just thinking, come on, just keep going, you never know, you never know. Mm. And then it happened, you know, the place is obviously <laughs> a little corner where the Liverpool fans went crazy and the rest of the ground was in disbelief again. So it was... You know, speaking to the Everton people after the game, you could you could see it really affected them badly. But mm. the, the red side was it was it was a lot of 
Cheshire smiles there. Cheshire cat smiles. <laughs> Do you have to be uh, hiding going out? A little bit careful. Yeah, there was a few usual bits of banter. Is that what they call it these days? Nels, <laughs> you would know. You're a youngster. There was friendly banter, I would say. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Liverpool at times this season have been so explosive and, and absolutely battered teams, thinking back to Leicester 4-1, yeah. Watford 6-1. But, but it was. It seemed like a real hard-fought game. What impressed you about Liverpool getting the three points the night at Goodison? Well, I, th- I think you could see, you know, Everton were, you know, they were definitely up for the game. I thought Everton started the game well and, and closed and pressed really, really hard. But I thought they paid for it in the fact that they, they just used up all their energy in the first half, it seems, because the second half, I felt Liverpool started to pass it and get a little bit more possession. So I like the way that they stayed with the game and realised that, OK, the first half was the one at our best. But just dug in, and it was a it was a good old school Merseyside dad. There's a few challenges, a few tackles, mm-hmm. and nobody giving up any inches of the pitch. But I thought as the game went on, and certainly into the second half, for me it was just it was just a it was wave and wave of attack after each other. So it was. I felt the goal was coming, but when it comes that late and the overtime, it's it's. Uh, it, it's it's massive and 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 you could just see the shoulders. It was just the the whole of Goodison just crumbled really. <laughs> I can hear you smiling as you, as you say those words. <laughs> but but uh, watching the game, I mean, the pressure you could you could sense it watching the game. You were there, the the, the, mm-hmm. ho- the home supporters, what they created. But in actual facts, Everton had one shot on target throughout the whole game, and that was a Nash, um, a Williams header uh, in the second half, which was comfortable for Mignolet to to deal with. I mean, yeah. how impressed with you, were you with how Liverpool defensively protected Mignolet? Well, yeah, as you say, as much as the I was impressed by Everton the first half, the way they worked and pressed, at, at, at no stage did they threaten the goal. And that was the thing. And then all of the second 45, you know, I thought Lukaku was totally isolated. You know when you play the one up front, you've really mm. got to try and get people up to him. And he was, he looked sharp on the night for me. When, he, he didn't see enough of the ball and there was no quality played up to him. So he, he would have been a real threat, I think, if they'd got more bodies in and around him. But that's, that's due to the fact that Liverpool, we were working them so hard and and they just couldn't cope with it come the end of the game and that was the difference and that wee bit of quality from Daniel getting the shot away and Manny reacting that's what split the teams in the end but I've got to say that the, the, the Everton fans were superb on the night the noise inside Goodison was, it was electric mm. You mentioned there about having that little bit of quality in the final third. Now, Origi's been in good form going into that game. Five goals in five games with obviously no Coutinho. He's been out in that time, but Origi's stepped in and done very, very well. But it was a quiet night for Origi. He didn't have a great deal of, of opportunities in front of goal, did he? No, no, he didn't. You know, it was, you were waiting for the change. You, you could, there was a, I had a, you had a feeling, you know, the feeling that, that Daniel Sturridge could come on and, and maybe just... Give, give us that wee spark where it takes to separate a, you know, a really tight game because he has you know, there's no doubt about it Daniel that he's, such, he's a super talented player mm. you know and I was just surprised the way Everton allowed him to drift in on his good left peg you know you've got to force you, can't, you would think you would, they know Daniel Sturridge obviously they'd force him the other way but it allowed him to come in it wasn't the cleanest of strikes um, and Robles I thought could have done better getting across and, and maybe getting something on it but it came in off the post and and it was just that wee bit of quality that separates the teams and, and we went away with the three points. You men- mentioned about Daniel Surge coming on and making an impact. So just coming back from an injury, how big a boost is it to have him back and, and available? Well, yeah, there's a lot of talk about Manning going away, you know, for the African Cup of Nations. And, and 
and Daniel's got a big part to play. There's no doubt about that. You know, the, um, DevOps and DevOps and form, but just having options and having Daniel back fit is, is a boost for 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 the for the gaffer. There's no doubt about that. And again, we're getting a we're getting a real tough schedule. Like like every year at this time of the year, it's mm. it's always hard. The games come thick and fast, and you need all your good players fit. So. Daniel back and hopefully by Man City game I think we're looking at maybe getting Coutinho back by then it, it just it bodes well because you know and I know that getting into these the games just seem to happen nearly every day mm. you need your good players Will, will Coutinho coming back just soften that blow of losing Mane for six weeks because I'm looking at the games in January and the big games you know you're looking at Chelsea we're playing Chelsea at home United mm-hmm. away in the, and the games against Southampton as well in the League Cup semi-final big games and he's been a massive yeah. player for Liverpool this season we, we'd yeah. want him involved in them of course we need because these games are going to be tight and it's just in these games where, you know against the big boys where, where those little bits of quality are required because that's what separates teams you know because you know, if you look at both 11s and, and both the squads are strong throughout the teams and throughout the whole areas, all the areas of the pitch, and it's just somebody who can produce that little bit of magic to, to separate teams. And, and Coutinho's definitely one of man storage. I wanted to ask you about Jordan Henderson. If he looks like he's really maturing since, obviously, Steven mm-hmm. Gerrard's left. He's, he's got the captain's armband. And just looking at the way he reacted and dealt with that situation with Ross Barkley, because I've seen the replay and it was a horrible challenge. Thankfully, he got up yeah. and continued to finish the game off. But, you know, how impressed were you with the way he dealt with that situation? No, I thought it was a bit of class. And the way, accept, uh, the way they accepted the apology, I, don't, I know Barkley was only too happy with his, his challenge either. Um, but just showed a bit of class there. Jordan, you know he's 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 becoming more and more an actual leader as the games go past, and he was he was he, again he was he was excellent on the night. You know he he's what weight and he's running power and, and he's and he's I mean, it is calming the game at times as well for me, which is always good to see because it's a it's a, you know the game it's it's always breakneck speed. Mm. But I thought he got his foot on it and started his started his passing and got a wee bit of rhythm in the second half. There seems to be a little bit of momentum about Liverpool at the moment. It was a big week. We've been to Borough and got the three points, kept a clean sheet. Been to Everton, got the three points, kept a clean sheet. Real momentum going into that real busy time. And it is a busy time, looking at Stoke and then that massive one against Manchester City. Yeah. They're, 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 two, they're two games, and, you know, and to keep, just to keep up at, uh, at speed with Chelsea, they don't look as if they're going to be losing many. You know, they look very, very solid and and as you say, two home games, and, and home games are always crucial if you're going to challenge right at the very top of the league, and, and we go to Sunderland into the new year. So it's, there's a there's a nice little run of games where, you know, either side of the big one against Man City would fancy to take the points. But I'm looking forward to that game on New Year's Eve. I must admit that'll be that'll be a classic. Well, you mentioned about the home form. Since United beat us in the league in January, we've gone on, on an impressive run. OK, we've drawn a few games in that time, but we mm-hmm. haven't been beaten in the Premier League. It's now becoming a real tough place to come to. And, and how important has, has that home record been for Liverpool, do you think? No, it's, it's absolutely massive. And it's, and it's Liverpool of old. You know, there were nearly... There's always a place that picking up anything up at Anfield was always nearly impossible. And again, you know, during, the, during those glory years of winning the league... League after league, you know, it was always off the back of great results and great runs at Anfield, mm. and all the teams that do well and you know over the years of winning winning championships is home form is it's really massive. But also that that intimidating feeling that teams 
get when they come to Anfield, I think that's most definitely returning. Teams are coming there and and sometimes it looks as if they're quite happy just going away with a two or a three rather than being embarrassed by a four, five or six. Mm. Christmas, I believe you celebrate your birthday on Christmas Day. 52 well, I, years young. <laughs> well, 52 uh, years you're not uh, quite catching me yet, are you? <laughs> uh, how uh, how different is it for you now? Obviously, as a non-player, you can enjoy Christmas a little bit more because Christmas time for players is a real busy, intense time, isn't it? Yes, uh, yeah, and, and of course, over the years of of being involved in football and playing and coaching and managing, you know, it's never it's never been a, an option really to celebrate birthday and bringing in the new year as Scots like to celebrate New Year, <laughs> but it's never been quite possible until the last few years. So it's nice to actually. But in saying that, I would I would gladly swap it and go back to being able to play. There's no doubt about that. Right, give us a, a highlight for you, Gary Mack, this, in this calendar year 2016 highlight for Liverpool. Do you know the one, it's just, I was just, it's funny you should say that, I just was looking through it after a few bits and bobs and and I just, Jordan Henderson's goal at Stamford Bridge, that is, that's, that's my goal of the season so far. Interesting, because a lot of people would say the result against Dortmund, which was incredible. Obviously, we ended up missing yeah. the final, which was disappointing to lose out against Sevilla. But that night at Anfield was, was On the calendar special. year, sorry, sorry you've, you've beat me there a wee bit. I was thinking of this <laughs> season. So the, in a, in a, I work in seasons rather than calendar. Yeah, the, the, the atmosphere that night, I, I would agree with you. That was, that was pretty special. In, in fact, that that be up there is alongside most of the great nights at, at Anfield and the European competition. I'll still go with Jordan's goal. I enjoyed his goal, <laughs> really enjoyed his goal. Well, looking at the position we're in now, we're obviously second in the Premier League in a real strong position, trying to catch Chelsea, of course, in the semi-final of the League Cup and who knows what the FA Cup may, may provide for us. 2017, what do we need to improve on? What do we need to maintain to make sure it's a strong end to the season? Well, the thing is, it's um, keeping clean sheets, which we've done in the last couple. You know, that is, that is that's imperative, but just... Just the, just continuing the form of the fact that we look so potent going forward. I, I think it's exciting the way that Liverpool get themselves up the pitch in numbers and get people in the box. I just think a continuation of that would, would be fine for me because we look as if we're going to score goals. Gary Mack, we wish you a happy birthday and a Merry Christmas on December the 25th. Thank you. And to you. After all, <laughs> cheers. Top man, cheers, Gary Mack. Coming soon to a city near you, the Liverpool Legends. For more information and ticket prices, check out our websites, fivetimes.co.uk. Um, right, let's uh, welcome Jamie Carragher now to the Five Times podcast. Delighted to welcome him. We've all seen the, the video of him celebrating on Monday Night Football when Mane scored that winning goal so late. A little squeal, a little bit of a clap. <laughs> you looked like you enjoyed it. How much did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. We all used to that squeal, aren't you, in training games. <laughs> I was shouting at you all the time to get back. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I mean, I thought it was. We thoroughly deserved to win on the second half performance without creating too much. To be. One team will win the game. I think Everton were pleased with the draw. I think you'll see that from the performance in the second half. We need to win a derby game. I've done it a couple of times myself. Last minute goals at uh, at Goodison. Gary McAllister there, Kite and there. I've always said Goodison's the best place to win, so doing in the last minute takes some beating. What, what's the changing room like after that sort of result? Because I've only been there and experienced a defeat, and and it was horrible. What was it like to, to win so late on the changing room? 
Well, I think whenever you win a game, the, the, the dressing room is a great place to be. But when you win in the last minute, it's like you're still celebrating the goal in the dressing mm-hmm. room, you know, because you, you sort of can't believe you've got the three points. I mean, we've all played in games where, you, where you're hoping you'll get a goal, but once it starts getting to 85, 86, I wouldn't say you, you don't accept it's a draw, but that's the, the most obvious result that's going to happen. And then when it changes so late on, I think it just gives everyone a massive lift. And I think the lads have the Christmas party the next day, so... <laughs> Uh, it'll put everyone in a great, uh, great form for the next one. I think like that make a massive difference. So, I mean, I'm sure the party went a lot better than if it was nil nil, and hopefully that will be uh, reflected in, as I said, the next few days of training and then into the Stoke game. I didn't see an awful lot mentioned about the atmosphere and the real impact it had because I thought the first half certainly impacted the way Liverpool got, went about it. That real atmosphere, that intimidating, that intense atmosphere. I mean, you played in it a number of times. How tough a place is that to go when, when the Everton fans are really going? It is. And uh, I think we played into their hands. I think a little bit first half, you know, sharp up on the ball, a little bit sloppy, which helps them make challenges, get tackles, and it just lifts the crowd. And that's, you know, whatever. The Taurus League into Liverpool has been about you know contact football, winning challenges, getting the crowd or pressurising the referee at home especially. And uh, I think we played into the hands really the first half an hour. But uh, I think we, we we then started to you know get, and they were obviously going to run off of steam a little bit. The uh, door chasing and closing down they were doing. I think ten or fifteen minutes uh, just calming the game down without really creating anything. And then the second half we used to total control really. And I think they just sat on the edge of the box and, and played like the away team. They were looking for a counter-attack or a long ball to Lukaku. I think you know, the two centre-backs that with that uh, threat uh, superbly, really. Robberen and... Because when I heard Matip was out, mm. I, was, I was a bit worried, to be honest. I was I was very confident before the game we'd win. When I heard Matip was out, I was thinking, oh, this, uh, this may cause us a problem. But, but the man who ultimately came in to replace him, Clavin, made one of the most vital contributions on the night. That block against Lukaku, we did a little slow, slow motion of it. It was, you know, Lukaku's shots going in the back of the net. How important is that for a defender? I mean, the goal scorers get all the credit with the goals they score, but for a defender to get a, a goal saving tackle, you know, how, how important is that, do you think? Vital, vital on the night. And that was the only real thing that he had. I mean, he had a header from Mori, I think, from a corner also. Uh, but there was very little, but it was. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of uh, that was going in. I'll have to uh, start watching your analysis and pick things up. <laughs> it was a great tackle. It was a great. But, but, uh, I mean, but, no, for, but no. for you as a defender, how satisfying! Yeah, it was. And I think the thing about I think I think the thing with Clavin is, I think he, he impressed everyone. I was just one game away against Andre Gray, and I think maybe that put a little bit of doubt in Jurgen Klopp's mind. It looked like Lucas became the third choice centre back, and he was number four, but. I think after Bournemouth, it looks like Clavin's gone back in there now uh, as he, he came on against West Ham and then he, he obviously played well. And as I said, besides that being the game, I think he's impressed everyone. It's time to have a little bit of a reflection. We're going into Christmas, second in the Premier League. What's impressed you about Liverpool so far this season? I think just the Jürgen Klopp and a complete turnaround really in, in, in this year compared to the year before. I think it's if you go through the team, it's a lot of them have ended up just signing, so it's not like that manager who's coming in completely open up and, and and buying all his own players, spending lots of money. He, he, he hasn't spent virtually any money mm-hmm. since he came to the club with the ins and outs, and uh, I think to be getting the results he's getting and, and the way the team performed with, with someone else's players. Now that I don't think he's going to change a lot of them. I mean, I think he's just getting the. Well, 
veteran those players unfortunately before we weren't getting that for whatever reason maybe down to maybe we could criticise the former manager or the actual players themselves or maybe the atmosphere they were playing under because there was a lot of criticism coming at the time for you know he was buying players the manager was getting a lot of criticism so it's not easy to play under that maybe scrutiny I think Jürgen Klopp's coming now and he's, he's the star of the team for me even though some of the players have been outstanding he's the big star of the team but I mean how he's transformed that squad of players to get where they are now being the most, probably the most entertaining team in, in the country scoring the most goals and I think all the credit should go to the manager well, you mentioned about being so entertaining. We've seen some great football from Liverpool this season. But that win at Everton, we, we saw perhaps a different side to Liverpool getting that sort of result. How impressed were you that Liverpool can, can mix it like that and, and, and still win the game? Yeah, it was. It was a big thing. and I, I don't know the exact stat. You might be able to tell me, but we better really win one uh, under Jürgen Klopp. I don't know if it's a full year, maybe, or something. But we don't have many one nils, And I think if we want to go where we want to go this season, I think we'll have to get a few more of them. And that was just a vital win. And, and the thing about the, the other day, what is what the effect it has on other teams, obviously Everton, you see their supporters in the ground, but Chelsea supporters, Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United fans will be tuning in, thinking, oh, this will be a tough game for Liverpool, they'll drop points here. And I know it's like when I'm watching someone else and they get a last-minute winner, it doesn't go down well in our house, I can assure you. <laughs> so uh, that winning goal wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have gone down well around the country. And, that, uh, and also things like that, I think you're also knocking your opponent a little bit and giving yourself a massive lift. You, I think you've mentioned recently about Adam Alana being a real standout performer as an English player in the Premier League. What do you think's changed about Adam this season? Is it his new role? The fact that he's perhaps he's a little bit more settled at Liverpool? Or, or is it the influence of, of Jurgen Klopp really getting more out of him? I think so. I think a bit of both. I think he's ideally suited to the manager who's kind of come in, you know, the way he wants to play. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. By uh, his actual engine is as good as anything. You see out there in the country, I think he covers more distance than anything. And we shouldn't forget that Jürgen Klopp's likes his team to pass the ball. I think sometimes they get lost a little bit. And we think of this team we're pressing and closing people down and winning the ball back. Liverpool dominate possession in almost every game they play. And we saw that again on Monday night. And he's fantastic in possession as well. I don't know, on a great feat. I mean, technically, you can pull against any other English player in the Premier League. And uh, I think the, the new position he's in as well, more of a central midfield position. He's getting goals and assists, but from that position, you don't get judged as harshly with goals and assists as you do if you're part of a front three. And I think when he first came, he was more part of a, 
a front three and uh, his numbers were in great. Maybe that pressure's off and he can just go and play freely. He's now getting the goals and assists, but you're actually judging him more now on, on his passing and, and his actually running, winning the ball back because that's what you want a central midfielder to do and occasionally pop up with a goal or an assist, but he's doing it more than that. Cara, to finish with, I want to get your highlight of 2016. Prefer it to be Liverpool-based more than Monday Night Football. <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to think. And, uh, Dortmund? I think Patrick Dortmund Everton game. 4 0. Yeah, I'd say the Dortmund. Uh, no, I go for the Dortmund game. I mean, I was. Obviously, I'm, I'm there in all the games now as a fan, but that was a game I think I live long in the memory. I mean, you see the Everton game, it's not big a thing now. Uh, <laughs> but I think Dortmund, I mean, to be there with James and, and the fans and the, the, the emotions of the game and. You know, to look back and used to come and when we can talk about that game. And yeah, I wasn't on the pitch. You know, I've been very lucky playing some big games over the years. But I think that game could rank up with any you've ever seen here at mm-hmm. Uh Considering the opposition, how good they were as well, and I'm just an, a magical night. Cara, we wish you a merry Christmas and thanks for joining us. Cheers, Mel. Cheers, boys. Thanks a lot. All the best. This is the Five Times Podcast, the voice of the ex-Liverpool players. Liverpool players out with their wives and girlfriends midweek after that victory, of course, at Goodison against Everton. In the good old days, that was a job left to their senior players, often the club captain. And one man who fulfilled that role was John Barnes, who joins us now. John, you've seen those pictures. How does that compare to how it was in the 80s and 90s? It was very similar, apart from there were probably twice as many people because the girls wouldn't have been there. It would just been the lads. But it's how <laughs> times have changed. Obviously, you know, with the, the culture that it was back then, the lads, the bonding. And of course, now it's exactly the same in a different way because it's good to see the players all out together. Yes, it's great that they're there with their wives and girlfriends, but it's about bonding. And, you know, these days, this is obviously what happens when you go out as couples. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's good to see because the spirit in Liverpool and the friendship and the camaraderie um, seems to be very strong. So it was, it was fantastic to see. How big an occasion was, was the Christmas party for you back in them days? <laughs> the Christmas party was the highlight of the year, I can tell you. Uh, and of course, Christmas parties have changed because Christmas parties in our day started at probably 11 o'clock in the, um, in the morning um, and finished uh, when you made it to training on, this, on, this, on the, um, the next morning by, by, by <laughs> 9 o'clock. So, uh, but, you know, things have changed. Um, but it's good to see that uh, a lot of clubs then stop the Christmas tradition of going out. And I suppose from a lad perspective, a lot of clubs don't do that. But, you know, this wasn't a traditional Christmas party with the lads' Christmas parties out there with their wives and families. So, no, it was, it, it's good. You were doing that when you were the best team, certainly in, in the country, with a group of players going out there, having a few drinks, socialising together. How important and, and how good was that socially for you as a group of players to get to get that bond together? Well, it was not just from the social point of view. From the point of view of that, that helped to forge relationships on the pitch. You know, when you really have a relationship with each other, the camaraderie with each other, which stems from what you do off the pitch together. Um, and, of course, what happened, obviously, late the year is more to do with the perception of what the Christmas party stood for. Now, as you say, if we're winning matches, we're at the top of the league, we go to a Christmas party, nothing said. If you're losing matches, you go to a Christmas party, people think that's the reason why, um, which isn't. Mm. But unfortunately, I think that that's what happened with a lot of the Christmas parties being stopped is because of the perception of, yes, you lost, and therefore, what are you doing out celebrating? And you shouldn't be doing that, whereby if you won, no one really cared. The reality of it is that, that, you know, the reality is that it didn't really, you, the Christmas party didn't help you to, to net the, after you've lost. If you didn't go out and have a Christmas party, it doesn't mean that you're more, more focused for the next match. But it's more to do with mm-hmm. the fact that the way it was actually perceived by the fans, that you're out enjoying yourself when you've lost type of thing. 
Do you, th- do you think that's one of the strengths of this current group that Jurgen Klopp has at Liverpool at the moment? They look a real close bunch. Yes, it does. But of course, it's very easy to do that when you're winning and you're playing well. I mean, the test will come if you go through a bit of a dodgy spell. Um, how do you come out of that? What is the camaraderie? What is the relationship you have with each other then? But fortunately, we haven't had to answer those questions because everything has gone well. Um, so, and, and, and the long may continue, hopefully. But I think that the way the, the character of the players he has, you know, I'm not really worried about if all of a sudden we go through a bit, a bit of a dodgy spell, us coming out of that in terms of the relationships they have with each other. I think that'll be fine. How, how different was it for you? Because you experienced it as a player and a manager that Christmas period. Were you a little bit more nervous when you're a manager? Your players going out? No, I wasn't nervous at all. I was nervous when they went out on the pitch, not when they went out on the uh, <laughs> something that sounds like pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, I, no, you know, I'm a bit of an old school traditionalist in that that really didn't matter to me. Once again, I was aware of the perception with the fans, so therefore you told them not to do it. But um, it didn't bother me at all because, you know, going out and, 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 and letting off a bit of steam at the right time. For me, it wasn't mm. wasn't an issue, and of course, as a as a as a as a manager, this was obviously um, fifteen twenty years after I started playing, where 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 attitudes had changed anyway. So, by the time I became a manager, the players weren't of the same character of the players I I had when I played, so they didn't even really want to do that, to be honest with you. So, yeah, but once again, as I said, if you're playing well and you're winning matches, it it, it isn't an issue. It's only when you lose it becomes mm. an issue. Well, let's look at the, the pitch because it was a great week for Liverpool. Two victories, two away performances, one at Borough, one at Everton. Which one was most impressive for you? The Everton one. Not, not, not the performance because I think 3-0 um, at Borough was a, was a great performance. But the thing about it is that they were solid at the back. Everton had a lot of possession in the first half. Um, decent amount of opportunities. I won't say they had worked the goalkeeper at clear opportunities, but we defended well. You know, Everton were in good areas. They crossed the ball to shoot, but we blocked shots, we blocked crosses. And that's what you have to do. So, I said before that game, the question mark I'll have against Liverpool is that if they don't play well, can they grind results out? And not that they didn't play well against Everton, but they didn't concede. They were tight at the back. And now it gives me more hope and more um, comfort in the fact that even if we don't play well, we can, if we can, you know, continue doing what we did and follow on from the Everton defensive performance, that even if we don't play well, we can not concede goals and get a 1-0 victory or get a nil-all draw. And that really is the. If you want to win championships, that's what you have to do. You can't play well all the time, but you have to not play well and get a result. Defensively, there's been a lot of questions asked about Liverpool goalkeeper. Defensively, we're missing arguably our best defender in Matip, who's been outstanding since he arrived at Liverpool in the summer. But Clavin and Lovren yeah. seem to deal with that threat very well and protected Mignolet you look at Mignolet who's come in for Karius he's barely been tested has he really in the two games you think yes he has and um, and, and I think that I like Clavin I saw him against Barcelona all week you know Barcelona were given 100% if you like but you know I, I was very impressed with him and I think that he's a a, a competent replacement it's great to have Matip mm. back um, Mignolet has a newfound confidence so, yeah, defensively, but once again, it's one game. You know, it's two games. Um, so there's no point all of a sudden thinking because we've won 3-0 away and 1-0 and, and away at Everton that we've now cracked this, 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 this situation of, of conceding goals. But um, at least it gives everyone a little bit more confidence to know that we do have it in our locker to, to, to defend properly when needs to be. We're all aware of the African Cup of Nations coming up and Matip is one of the players who said that he's not going to go away with Cameroon because he's obviously fallen out with the, the, the staff there. But at the moment, it seems a little bit of an uncertain issue because they're saying that they may appeal to FIFA and, and try and stop him playing in, in the period that is the African Cup of Nations. 
how much of a worry is that? Are you, are you quite relaxed that he'll be alright and be able to play for Liverpool? Well, generally speaking, if he decides not to want to play against Cambridge Harper, Cameron, they can't stop him. You know what I mean? Is it, if he's available, if he makes himself unavailable for a national team, I don't think they can stop him playing for his club. If he decides, and mm. I think if they're going to do that, then he then says, right, I retire from which I don't know what they, whether, whether he's going to do it or not. Um, um, then that's not really going to be an issue. So, obviously, you know, Mane is, is obviously, he's going to go mm. away. Um, but it is what it is. We know what it is when we got them. We have to deal with it. And, of course, Daniel Sturridge is now coming back to fitness. We've got Origi. So, although Mane's been very impressive, um, I think we'll be okay. Mane's been outstanding, as you say, and he misses big games in January. Southampton in the League Cup, Chelsea, United, big, big games yeah. against rivals in that month. Do we, do we go out and buy a replacement or do, or well, do we have I enough in the squad? Perhaps with... I think we have to buy squad players. We've got to buy players. What I said about January is that we were probably a little bit ahead of where we were, where we thought we were going to be. And if I'm honest, I thought that we should just consolidate the season, end of the season, look where we are. We've improved. Let's now buy to really go and try and win the league. But coming into January, we are we are at the top of the league and we've got a great chance. Why not, although we're a little bit ahead of schedule, spend a bit of money, even if Mane and Matip weren't going away, to get the quality that, that's necessary probably six months early. Um, so I don't think necessarily to, to, to necessarily replace Mane, but just to buy players so that we have them because... You know, money is not just for Christmas, as they say about dogs. You know, you have to look to the long-term future. And if you've got an opportunity now because of our stature, second in the league, everyone's talking about it, going well, mm-hmm. we can get quality in at this time. At the end of the season, we may drop away and then t- players may feel I'm not going to come. Although I'm not a big fan of players coming in January because I don't think you get the best quality. But I think you have to try and get the best quality that you can um, this January because we're probably ahead of schedule and where we want to be. And I think we could get players to... To, to come and join us on our journey, we've done we've done all right in January in the past. I'm thinking Suarez, Coutinho. Is, is there one particular area you think Liverpool, if if you were to go into the transfer market, that we could improve our team? Well, first of all, when you said we've done all right, we've done all right because it turned out to be okay. Everybody wasn't after Suarez, <laughs> everybody wasn't after Coutinho. It turned out well. You know, it's just not as if like we did well because everybody wanted Suarez and Coutinho, but we got them ahead of them. As it turned out, it was it was fantastic. And it's not to say that whoever we sign in January. You know, may not be a Coutinho or may not be a Suarez, but and, and of course they weren't gambles, but they went better than expected. But I think that rather than looking for um, someone who may feel is a bit of a gamble and it could turn out that way, I think we could actually try and go out for somebody who, who, who listen, there are no certainties in football because you look for, you know, mm-hmm. Pogba Man United where they are and what the money they've spent and stuff like that. However, really, you know, go for someone with, with proven quality if we can. In saying that, I'd be very happy for Klopp to go and buy someone for three million pounds from Mainz or somewhere, because I have faith in him in knowing that he can get the best out of these players. So it doesn't bother me at all if you don't get any big names in. But I think we need to get some some numbers in and some bodies in. Is that the big thing? You think Jurgen Klopp's come in and, and convinced us all to believe in him, and we all trust that where where whoever he chooses in the January transfer window, he will get a decent player in, as he's proved so far. I mean, he's getting more out of Mane than he has done previously well, it's, it's, at it's, Southampton. These absolutely. sort of players. Absolutely, but it's not so much getting somebody who we know he can, who, because to be honest with you, when he gets players, we don't know whether, because we may never have heard of them, but I think we trust him enough to know that, or to believe that he can get the best out of them. And I think that that's the difference. The difference in the past is that Liverpool fans have been very disappointed if come January or come the end of the season we buy players because we've spent a lot of money, but it's not the players we've heard of, it's not the name players, and the disappointment goes onto the field because we haven't got the big name players and who are these players we're signing. Whereas the difference is now, we're going to sign players and we go, who are these players we've signed? We've never heard of them before, but we won't be disappointed because we trust Eric and Klopp enough to know that he can get the best out of them. So I think that that's the biggest mm-hmm. difference between 
every transfer window since Jurgen Klopp has been here because whoever he signed and had, had and I have to say I'm a fan of Brendan Rodgers and I think he was harshly treated but had Brendan made the signings that he had of players we've never heard of we would have been disappointed and and that would then go onto the field whereas now he's so positive with everything Jurgen does that you know mm. that helps Absolutely. Um, to finish with, Barnsley, I want to ask you what your highlight of 2016 has been for Liverpool. The highlight of 2016? Not necessarily um, this season, I don't, the I whole don't, calendar listen, year. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's strange when you put, because this is a new, this is a new thing, calendar years, because calendar years are meaningless, because calendar years start halfway through the season and it ends halfway through the season. Halfway through the season, you can be top of the league, Halfway through the next season, you could be top of the league. But when the season ends, you could be you could be tenth in the league. Whereas your calendar year has been fantastic. So I've been very excited well, well, with the whole calendar year. I can't I can't pick a particular favourite, but I'd I'd much rather you ask me this at the end of the season when when you can really have a better judgment as to what's really been fantastic. And why I say that is because it's been a fantastic year, and it's been a great year. And we can get carried away by saying we are the best team in the country in the calendar year. End up finishing seventh or eighth, and we have to be careful about that. So. Um, the whole year has been fantastic with Jurgen Klopp being here. But um, I'll speak to you again come May. <laughs> I you know. thought you might have had one for well, well to finish with then we're obviously in a much more optimistic mood going into 2017. What can this group of players hopefully go and achieve? Well, hopefully we can win the league. But of course, so can Chelsea, so can Manchester City, so can Arsenal. Um, but they have the potential to do that. But more importantly, I think that with the support of the fans and the trust we have in Jurgen Klopp, and the togetherness, we talk about the camaraderie amongst the players, but also the camaraderie amongst the fans towards the club, towards the players. If we stick together, we can be successful. We'll take that, because you wouldn't have said that 12 months ago when we were sitting where, <laughs> well, where we were in no, the league table. What I would have said 12 months ago is if we stick together, we can. But unfortunately, over the years, we haven't stuck together. We've stuck together when things have gone well. And when things haven't gone badly, we've criticised and we've said it's not good enough and he's not good enough. And if you look at Milner, you look at Alan, you look at players now who are playing really well. And if you speak to fans, you know, a year ago, they would have been disappointed. So the point, as I said 12 months ago, I always say to you, stick together, you stick together, you don't know what you can achieve, we will be successful. I hope they do. Barnsley, we All wish right, you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining All us. All the best, mate. Bye. The final word on the Five Times podcast. A big welcome then to current Stoke player and former Red, of course, Charlie Adam. Charlie, you're returning to Anfield this week and as an opposition player for Stoke. How do you look back on your time at Liverpool? Well, great. I really enjoyed it for the year. We won the Carling Cup, uh, you know, a number of games. And, you know, obviously when a new manager comes in, things change. And, and that's how I felt it went. Um, disappointed I probably left maybe a season too early. Um, but that's the way football is and you've got decisions to make How does it feel though as, as somebody who having played at such a big club like Liverpool and, and enjoyed success as you mentioned that cup success how does it feel to come back as an opposition player? That's great because they're, they're so respectful and, and they, they appreciate everything you've done even though it was for one season they still appreciate what, you know what you've done and you've played for that club you know um, I'm one of a selected few that got the privilege to play for such a wonderful club and um, you know I, I enjoy going back there um, and you know as a, as a stadium that I enjoy playing it and I've been there before I was signed for Liverpool and I've been back since I've left so you know Liverpool's a, a massive club and you know it's, uh, it'd be great for us to go there and, and, and put in a performance 
You're now obviously a, a Stoke player, going reasonably well in the Premier League. It was a dramatic draw last weekend against the champions Leicester, having been in such a strong position 2-0 up. How disappointing was it to eventually draw the game? Yeah, it was. I think it was on, on our behalf we were disappointed in that we allowed the game to to put pressure on ourselves with the, the you know after the sending off and, and being two goals up, we allowed them to come into the game and and what it's like uh, they used to keep some bodies forward. They had nothing to lose and then. You know, in the last two minutes, they, they got a goal from, you know, it was a great cross from, from the full-back. And, you know, we we disappointed in how we, we, we've done that and reacted to it. But, you know, we have to take it on the chin and we, and we move on from it. There's plenty of former Liverpool connections within the squad yourself, Crouchy, of course. But Joe Allen, who moved there in the summer, how do you think he settled into life at Stoke? He's done, extreme, he's done extremely well for us. Change of position as well. You know, he played more of a, sort of a holding under... When Brendan signed him, and then Jorgen sort of played him on the left a little bit at the end of last season. But he's been playing like in, as a number ten for us, and mm. um, got a few goals, and and he's added a lot of energy into our team. Um, you know, he's, that's part of his game is he can go and press the game, and and he's been vital for for the success that we've had so far this year. There's lots of quality within that Stoke squad, but the player that always stands out to to many opposition fans is Boyan, who's obviously going to be a, a real threat again at Anfield in, in the coming game. How good is he? You know, you're around him every day. You're in games, training with him. Just tell us how good is he? Yeah, he's he's a special talent. He's you know obviously when Champions League and you don't play for Barcelona if you're not. Um, he he started really well and then obviously got that horrific injury and. and He's had to bide his time this season um, on the side, but he showed Saturday against Leicester that he's got that quality. And, um, you know, he needs more game time. But uh, you know, there's a number of other players that are, that we have that we feel that will, will cause Liverpool problems, and Liverpool will be the same. That you know, the big blow for them is obviously Coutinho because I think he's he is going to be a massive massive player, and, and you know he's a top player. Mm. Um, but they've got other qualities, Manny. Lallana's playing well. Um, you know, in the squad, and you've got people like Sturridge on the bench who can come and change the game like he did in the derby. Well, what's Christmas like for for you, Charlie? Do you, will Mark Hughes give you the day off, or will you be back training? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll train. We train. Uh, we'll train in the morning, and we uh, obviously we don't play to twenty seventh, so mm. we'll uh, have family time in the afternoon, and then we'll train again twenty sixth, and, tra- and then travel to the to to Liverpool to for the game. Um, which is which is a bit surprising because normally we're playing Boxing Day, but we've got the game 27, so we'll be allowed to um, to go back home and, and enjoy Christmas, but not too much. That is, of course, at Anfield. I'm looking at your festive fixtures. It's Liverpool away, then Chelsea away. Obviously, the focus will be on Liverpool away, but how tough are those uh, festive fixtures for you? At the, mo- at the moment, I don't think you get too tough for the fixtures. You know, Chelsea obviously top of the league, flying high, and Liverpool. In the back of a derby, you know, we know what we're going to get. They're going to come and press us. They're going to high tempo. They've got good quality in the game, uh, in the team. But we just got to to stand tall. We we done it last year in the cup where we, we nicked a 1-0 and we got mm-hmm. extra time. But, you know, they beat us in penalties. So we know there's opportunities there, but, you know, they're at home. And, uh, they, you know, so they'll be favourites. As, as we come to the to the end here of 2016, I just wondered, as a current Premier League player, how you reflect on the year 2016 as a whole, and perhaps is there a highlight for yourself that stands out? Um, I wouldn't, you know, obviously playing every week is, is great. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't have it as a personal note. There's nothing really that was found out um, for me, but you know, I think 
the Premier League is getting so competitive and, you know, every game is different. Um, and we look forward to the you know, 2017. Chelsea, obviously, the, the form team at the moment with 11 wins in a row and, you know, everybody's got else got to catch up with them. Charlie? Thanks very much for joining us on the Five Times Podcast. We wish you all the best no with problem. Uh, Christmas and, and 2017 going forward. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. This is the Five Times Podcast, hosted by Neil Mellor. My thanks to the guests who joined us for this Five Times Podcast, Gary McAllister, Jamie Carragher, John Barnes and Charlie Adam. Wish you all a Merry Christmas from the Five Times Podcast. Take it easy on the turkey. You know, no doubt there'll be one or two pounds being added to it. And we will speak to you when you're a little bit heavier after Christmas. All the best. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.